This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Age of Radio. Get a bit back into our roots this week where we're going to talk about brew control this is a brewery software where the diy person can really dive in and fully automate their brewery so this week we're talking to pete bruno one of the founders and the face of brew control and we're going to talk to him about it this week on homebrewing diy Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Homering DIY. I want to talk to you about some of the tools that you might have in your arsenal. And that would be your hydrometer. It seems like such a simple tool. It came with your homebrew kit. But the cool thing about the hydrometer is there's just a varying different quality of hydrometers. And that's why I want to talk to you about Brewing America. Kyle and Angela over at Brewing America make American-made hand-blown hydrometers. And these are the tools you need to have in your kit. And they've sent me some of these hydrometers, and the quality is something that you notice right when you first open the box, and they're easy to read, and they give you dead-on readings, and they're guaranteed. And the best part is that you can go over to homebrewingdiy.beer, click on the banner, and you're going to get 15% off. They also have a coupon code you can use 15% off when you check out, and you're going to get a 15% discount that way. But great deals on not only hydrometers, they have cold brew coffee making, and they also have some really cool muffin top glasses. I love mine. They have the etched bottom. So check out brewingamerica.com and uh, tell them Homebrewing DIY sent you. Welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing gadgets, contraptions, and parts. This show covers it all. On this week's show, we're talking to Pete Bruno, one of the founders of the Brew Control software. It's a great piece of software that you can use to really build your own DIY electric brewery. And we're going to talk about all of the features and functions available in that software as we dive into the show. 
But first, I'd like to thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. It's because of you that this show comes to you week after week. I'd want to thank Roger, our newest Patreon supporter. He's giving at the $5 level, and I just really, really appreciate the time and effort you took, Roger, to sign up and become a patron. It's that support that keeps the show coming to you week after week. And as you know, I've got some really amazing shows in the hopper for the entire month of July, and I'm really excited to put them out. One thing I also want to point out that your support helps with is we've now not just we're not just a podcast we also have a lot of written content and that that's a good thing we've we i've got a couple amazing homebrewers now writing articles for homebrewing diy they are part of the entire homebrewing diy crew and so not only me are you supporting to do this show but your support also helps our writers and contributors to the to the podcast and to the website just this week, Ryan Packmeyer put out a great article on brewing Italian pilsners. He has some great recipes in there. And that's the kind of content that your support is helping provide and helping homebrewing DIY grow. So all of the money that you, su- you, you support us with goes right back into this podcast and supporting not just me, but also all of our contributors. So I want to thank all of our supporters. Another way to support the show is to write us a review. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser.com. Leave us a five-star review, and that helps others find the show. And the last way to support us is to use our sponsor banners. Head over to homebrewingdiy.beer and click on our sponsor banners. One, One thing of note... There is a banner on there for Brewing America where you get a 15% discount. And I talk about that in the Brewing America advertisement as well. Just uh, one thing to note, I, I got a note from Kyle and Angela just today letting us know that they also have the coupon code uh, 15% off that you can use. And using that will also get you 15% off if you go to brewingamerica.com. So even if you don't use our link, you can still get 15% off for listening to our show by using that coupon code. Let's just jump into the episode. We're going to talk to Pete Bruno. But before we jump into that episode, I want to talk to you about a homebrewing shop that you, as a listener of Homebrewing DIY, should support. And that is Keg Factory. Now, the reason that you should support Keg Factory and head on over to kegfactory.com is because It's just a great online homebrew store based in San Antonio, Texas, and you can call them up and they have everyday brewers. They're going to answer any of your homebrewing questions. Also, they have everything. They have a great selection all the way from the smallest little part for your brewery all the way up to the $3,000 or $6,000 Blickman three vessel system with all the controllers built in. You can go nuts at keg factory. And if you go that big, you can do it in four payments. You can actually just do four payments interest free to get that big piece of gear that you've always looked at. So the last reason that you should do it is they have keg cash. They have a great loyalty program. So just for signing up, you get 50 points towards that. And for every dollar you spend, you're going to get more keg cash that you can use to buy that one piece of gear that maybe as you're buying ingredients, that might help. So head on over to kegfactory.com. Tell them the homebrewing DIY sent you and support the show. (laughs) 
I'd like to welcome Pete Bruno to Homebrewing DIY. Pete is the what 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 would you say your title is over at Brew Control, Pete? I don't know. I'm just the front guy, I guess. Uh, I like the name, the front guy. He's the front guy over at Brew Control. Brew Control is a interactive brewery controller, and uh, it's definitely something that you can DIY from scratch. And Pete, thank you for coming on Homebrewing DIY. Coulter, thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to chat. I've been um, listening to the podcast for a while and, uh, you know, had the idea to reach out to you and see if this might be something of, of interest to your listeners. So I just, I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, I have to admit that we, we if you've listened to the episode where Brian Rabe, and it's probably a few months old now, I had him on the show and he talked about his brewery. And, and as you know, Brian has probably one of the most amazing breweries out there. Well, the software that actually runs that brewery is Brew Control. And so when Pete reached out to me, I was like, oh, yes, I very much know this software. And I am excited to talk to you just because, you know, this is a brewery software that kind of lets you do whatever you want. And and w with almost no limitations. I'd love to kind of talk to you about how you started homebrewing and how you decided to turn it into a brewing software project. Yeah. Uh, you know, I started my career, uh, I was a mechanical engineer by training and started my career in manufacturing automation. And um, when uh, I started to get into homebrewing, which I'd say probably around the 2010 mark, I, uh, I went down the path that I think every home brewer did, which was, you know, started with a one gallon kit from, um, I think it was the Brooklyn beer company, whatever that was, um, had some success with that. So gravitated to, a, a bigger aluminum pot on the stove and did a bunch of beers that way. And, um, just, just started to figure out, all right, I have to get this out of the kitchen. How do I get into the garage? And, um, just kind of kind of went from there. And then I made the decision early on that I wanted to go electric. Uh, I recognized that uh, had the the opportunity, if I can brew in the garage where my electric panel was, I could feed it off of that. And very quickly after kind of deciding what system I wanted to build, I realized that there may be, you know, some tools to make things a little bit easier. And uh, the first controller I I purchase was uh, BCS. Um, and they had a nice turnkey controller. You can plug in your devices and it handled timing and it handled uh, temperature control and, and things like that. And really just kind of built a system off of that. Uh, but within a short period of time, ran into some limits uh, just in terms of ability to pull in data from analog sensors, um, flow meters, things like that. So I started to play around with some Arduino devices and integrated it to the BCS. Um, so just use it to say, all right, well, here's a signal from the Arduino to tell the BCS that we've counted enough liquid or the, the, the level is at the right level. Um, and then that, of course, kind of ran into some limits. And that was the impetus to really start and think about building something completely on a microcontroller platform. But of course, we recognize right away that the front end, uh, that user interface just really didn't exist with Arduino. So that's the, that was the crux of it. Yeah, and, and one of the cool things about your software is that, and people that have been on, who've heard 
past episodes, you'll know this. A lot of the brewery controller softwares out there are either take two different approaches. They either take the microcontroller approach with a a computer is the actual web interface and then you have a microcontroller controller that kind of runs the program or you have something that lives all within a whole computer so think like the raspberry pi controls the entire experience and there is no microcontroller one of the things i like about the microcontroller aspect is that you have redundancy built into the system so power outages things like that you can build redundancies in so they don't affect what's going on with your brewery specifically i I always like to think of fermentations right or kegerators and those type of uh those type of environments where you're really trying to keep things kind of going and you you don't want the program to kind of miss right so right uh, that's the one thing that stood out to me about uh, brew control right off the bat is that it does kind of run with that controller slash uh, user interface. One thing I want to throw out there: this is a Windows. This is a Windows program, right? It is correct. Yeah, so it's a Windows and program. So if you're a Mac guy like me, uh, uh, this isn't going to work without an emulator. And uh, and then, but when it comes to the 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 aspect of Actually, what you can do with this software, though, I don't think there's another software out there that really kind of gives you the flexibility that Brew Controller Brew Control does when it comes to thinking of any anything you can imagine. Almost in when it comes to process, you guys can kind of handle that, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's that was the goal. And you know, I, I'll just back up a little bit. I think as we started to to build this out for really initially per personal use and then decided, hey, this could be a tool that maybe others could use. We we really thought about just infinite flexibility. And at the end of the day, what's so cool about the brewing community is there's a lot of different ways to solve the problem of, of making sugar water, right? You can do it in a, in a small pot without really any major investment. You could just go crazy and buy beautiful stainless kettles and a whole bunch of hardware that ties it all together and um, think about how many people have conical fermenters that are run and cooled by glycol. And, but it's amazing. And everybody makes beer that they enjoy. Um, and, and really, it kind of comes down to that home brewing journey. So where do you start? What are your goals? And where do you, where do you then ultimately want to go with it? And so my personal experience was, was exactly that, like starting simple. But I kept wanting more. I kept wanting more. I kept wanting more. And as I turn the corner from just making beer to starting to really appreciate the science behind it. I realized that I wanted to have kind of repeatable control. I didn't want to worry about things like when something, when a timer runs up, right? Or those, those things that are kind of mundane, while a lot of brewers feel like, well, that makes me a brewer, I felt like it makes me less of a brewer if I miss something, right? I can't tell you how many times I had a boil over initially or how many times I put the hops in at the wrong time and ended up screwing, you know, that profile out. So it just realized like I'm actually a better brewer. I'm a better scientist if I can control things. Um, and, and that's really a, what it comes down to. If you really invest in the quality of your beer and, and that becomes a more important goal in the long run, then having some flexibility, having some control that's in your hands, I think makes you a better brewer and, and just not, you know, not knowing where the end is and how far you want to take it is kind of all culminated together to 
create the reason that we, we, we built this and now, and now offer it for other people to use. Yeah. And one of the things that, that there, there are so few softwares out there that kind of take the entire brewery all the way from the beginning to the end. Right. So for example, there's, there's definitely projects out there that might focus entirely on fermentation, or there's some that might focus entirely on maybe a PID for a kettle, or there's a, a project that might just deal with like serving in kegs, right? One of the cool things about brew control is that all of those aspects of your brewery can be put into it and controlled from a, basically a, sink, a centralized station, right? Right. And that's, and that's part of, you know, that brewing journey is, is as you build it out, you don't necessarily know where the end is because that's, that's a personal decision. That's a hobby um, right there. <laughs> that's a hobby. You're darn right. But the best part is you, you can start really simple. And we think about like brewing controllers and people build the clone type controllers or, you know, dedicated hardware. You're, if you go down that road, you're, you're kind of stuck. Right, you're you're kind of limiting your where you're going to go with it. Um, like a a clone controller has physical devices, physical PIDs, for example. That's all they do. Yep. So if you want to add to it, if you say, well, I went from a single vessel to a dual or a three vessel, or I really want to tackle fermentation, or I want to handle cleaning and all these other things, you know, that requires you to basically start all over again or add new hardware. Um, and you know as well as I that the cost of, say, a turnkey a PID controller is actually more than a microcontroller is. So just in terms of building a basic controller, there really isn't a cost savings there per se. So you don't get the cost savings, but you do get the limitations. And that's, that's the other impetus and the reason why you know, we created this to make it approachable for, for people to use without needing to know like how to program and how to get into um, specific languages for microcontrollers. Yeah, I, I could think of a um, uh, an example of that right now where it's like, and this is one aspect of homebrewing, but just like think of the price of an old school Johnson analog controller, if you remember back in the day. They were like 80 uh -huh. bucks for just, you know, hey, I want to set a dial to keep the fridge at a certain temperature. That's literally right. all it did, right? In an analog way. And then, uh, you know, the STC 1000 came out and was 14 bucks. Right. And you could just yep. wire it up with one. a plug. Oh, yeah. We all, I had one too. Right. But that, that's the thing is digital brings the price so much down from those analog systems. And, uh, and, and you still get more flexibility because even to look back at that, they even had a specific STC 1000 that you could flash and actually put profiles in. It, like people that's right. Started, I did that yeah, too. Yeah. People started going nuts with those things. Right. And so yep. it was kind of cool to see. And, and we're talking about one aspect. This is like maybe keeping your kegerator or your fermentation chamber going. Right. Uh, but right. the idea is that it, it was that kind and this is, this is something that was probably going on around, I would say, 2012. This was a long time ago because now people, you know, it's obsolete with microcontrollers such as the SP8266. The, uh, you know, you guys run on the Arduino Mega and the SP products. And so, therefore, you know, the, the cost for them even comes down further because I, I know that you can get a D1 Mini for $2.50, $3. They're very, very inexpensive and yep. still, and, and, and have way more control because basically every pin on that thing can do whatever you want it to. And so Correct. it's, 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 it's a cool aspect to think that as technology comes into it, that brings those costs all the way down, at least on the hardware side, 
but in all reality, it gives you more flexibility to do what you want when it comes to the kind of automations that you want to do. Why don't, why don't let, let's talk about like, Hey, I, I'm a brand new brewer. Cause I do have a lot of people that are new to brewing listening to this show. I want to yep. look at maybe doing some sort of brewery automation, maybe just a simple brew in a bag with a PID in it. What, what does that look like in brew control and, and, and what, what would be needed to get something very easy like that up and running? Yeah. The, the hard part is just the physical wiring, right? And, and just to back up, you know, what you commented on before, I think was dead on. You, the aha for us was think of an Arduino type controller, really any microcontroller. The costs are insanely low. Their functionality is insanely high, but interacting with them was the hard part. And that was yep. the reason that we created the software. And so if, if we haven't kind of been clear about that, the software is a front end application that communicates with the microcontroller can communicate with one or as many as you want and basically tell it how to act, tell it what to do on a pin by pin or port by port basis. Um, and so to answer your question specifically, it's really as easy as uh, getting a one of the microcontrollers that we support. And uh, I think for, as you mentioned, you know, 10 or $12, you can get an ESP32, which I'm a big fan of. I, I think those are awesome. Um, Arduino Mega, also ten or twelve dollars. You know, forty-five pins on it. Really can't beat that. So, the, so the commitment on the hardware side, uh, just for the microcontroller, is hardly anything. Our software does have a cost associated with it, and we can we can kind of chat about that uh, in a bit and the rationale behind it. Um, so, for for a little bit of money, you have the the control system. Um, now, of course, it it's you have to connect it to the rest of the devices that control the power or whatever the case may be, right? So you, you have a power input, um, which could be, say, a 30-amp circuit. You're going to feed uh, that power through a SSR, right, or a solid-state relay that's going to turn on and off. Um, and then it's just the associated wiring, connectors, plugs, things like that, putting it in a box packaging it up. If you have your DIY, you can certainly build that kind of thing yourself. Um, and that's really it. And then what's kind of cool, though, if you build, if you plan it out, you can do it in for a single vessel initially. You could expand to two vessels. You could go to three vessels. Um, you could add as many temperature sensors as you want along the way. You can now control your fermentation through that same microcontroller or through a separate one. And all of that is culminated in the single interface and in that one program that you see you can set up to look any which way you want. So you're basically, tr you're basically trading a physical control panel for a digital control panel. And anyone that's made, you know, drilled holes in a box, you know how arduous it can be and how dead end it is. You drill a hole in a box, if you want to add that next control, you have to drill a new hole in the box and, yep. and rewire it. With a digital control panel, you don't need to do that. Yeah, and and in with that, it's like I drilled a hole in a box just to put a red light in it, right? Which is mm -hmm. something where that that's so easy to be software driven, or you know, Correct. the modern day red light could be a text message, right? That's right. That's or right. And once 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 that data or that information is in the digital world, you can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. So that's one of that's the kind of the beauty of of having that that environment. And yeah, we've, I, we've I had love a lot the, of users. 
uh, I was going to say, I love the idea of like, hey, I've brewed a batch of beer. I put it in my fermentation chamber. I'm I, at that point. I'm uh, you know that's that's really when it's like I have to keep myself from touching things and looking at things. And, <laughs> you know, it's the impatient part of me. But the idea of like, hey, something happened and uh, the temperature spiked, and here's a text message letting you know, uh, go check something. Right. That right. that that to me is a uh, is, is, is that would give me peace of mind. You know, considering that I have a job where I'm not. I, I do work from home, but I'm out in the field a lot of the day. Mm-hmm. And so it's something where that kind of, I can manage my brewery in a way and not have to be here. That's cool. Right. You can never do that in a physical system. Right. Yeah. One of the, one of the reasons too, we like leveraging microcontrollers is they, they don't crash, you know, assuming they're powered appropriately, um, they will just continue to run their code forever. And uh, I actually have a, a dispenser controller in my garage. It's been running for easily five years. And uh, I live in South Florida. We have plenty of power flashes from lightning and power failures. And that, that unit has never failed. It's never crashed. It's never paused. It's never done anything other than just run. And that's one of the nice things about microcontrollers. You know, obviously, a lot of systems run on Raspberry Pi, and there's a lot of um, favor for them because they're also inexpensive and very accessible. And I, I do think they're great. I have a, a handful that uh, uh, I use and, and play around with too. But for critical applications, um, I think that poses some risk, especially when you look at you know the SD cards and, and the file system that they rely on. Um, the SD so, cards fail. I've had many, many fail, like... Over the years, right. I, I, I could count on two hands. You know, I've probably had <laughs> 10 SD cards get wiped out. Plus, I keep them in environments that aren't really good to have a uh, that type of a system in, right? Like, for example, I'll have a fridge running on my back porch, for example, mm-hmm. in the rain. And that's just not really a good environment for something like a Raspberry Pi running off an SD card. So, yeah. Right. I've right. run into that problem. Yeah. So it's, I think it's important, you know, as we think about kind of making this home production ready, it's, it's really important that it's reliable and it's stable and, and it does what you, you expect it to do. And we've just found in our, in our own testing and experiment, experimentation that microcontrollers do that pretty well. The other thing that, that we've done to help that is we offload some of the kind of time critical responsibilities into the microcontroller itself rather than running in the application side. So um, using that dispensing example, it's running a simple kind of thermostat or hysteresis mode, and that runs in the microcontroller. It doesn't run in the application. So if the computer and the microcontroller, uh, and we call the microcontrollers interfaces, by the way. So if the application and the interface disconnect because there's a, you know, the computer itself crashes or the network goes down or whatever the case may be, that microcontroller just ignores that and just keeps running. So until it gets new instruction, it will it will remain steady state forever. That's that that's actually my favorite feature of the microcontroller approach is that especially when you have a system where you can run multiple microcontrollers. So you're not so for example, you might have a microcontroller running all your fermentation project. You might have an entirely different one that's running your actual hot side of your brewery. And you might have a different microcontroller that's running the cold side in your serving keg, right? 
All Correct. of those can live in a single dashboard and be controlled when you're talking about, hey, I need to interface with this software. You go to one place and you can you can deal with that. One thing exactly. I also liked when you when we did the kind of walkthrough of your software was the fact that it works on touch screens. And so if you were building a box, you could build a box with a touch screen and that could be your interface, right? It can. Yeah. And we have a few people have done it that way. Um, we actually like, and in my, my personal uh, brewery and some of our users have kind of gone crazy, but just having a really big monitor is really makes the experience awesome because you can have, like I say, that dashboard, what we call a workspace, can represent your entire brewery and have all of the timers and all of the alarms and all the buttons and switches, all of the PIDs, all the temperatures, all of the graphs, whatever it is that you want to see in one place or multiple places. And just having a big screen makes it like really fun and, and really approachable. But yeah, we have a handful that, that, that do them in um, kind of smaller touch screens, like seven or 10 inch units that's mounted inside of a box. The, one of the advantages of this approach too is, you know, the physical controls, like where the, that microcontroller interface is and the SSRs um, and all of the high voltage circuitry, the contactors and everything else can be in a box that's not in your face. So yeah. like, if you think about like a clone type controller, in order to have access to the buttons, the box has to be mounted to the wall or somewhere where you can access it. Well, if, if all those controllers are somewhere else, they could be mounted under the brewery, on the wall further away, or whatever else. And then just that human interface is just the computer itself. So it gives you a little bit of, a little bit of freedom in that regard, too. Or, or your phone, right? It's a, you could, you know, remote into the computer and look at it on your phone if you Correct. Really want to. Correct. Phone, yeah. tablet. Um, we have some users that have kind of multiple screens shown throughout um, throughout their brewery or, you know, for a couple of the nano guys, they'll have the screens where they can see them in the office. Um, you mentioned Brian earlier. He, his brewing really, he, he sets up his rig and then he's uh, working in his office upstairs and keeps an eye on, on the brewery through the software and some cameras that he has. Uh, but it's become so reliable. He doesn't need to physically be there. So he's, he kind of never, never gets his fingernails dirty, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I mean, when we talk about that specific brewery, he essentially takes a bag of grain, pours it into his mill, and the weight of the grain hitting the mill starts the brewing process. And that's pretty much all he does. <laughs> yeah. And, it's and pretty you crazy. know, I, I know, I know this is DIY, so there's a, a, your, your listeners probably appreciate this. There, when you mention brewing automation, it tends to turn off a good handful of brewers. You know, they feel like, hey, you're taking me as the brewer out of the process, and I know this better than anything. Um, I, you know, I, I commented earlier about really owning the science and, and being a better brewer. Um, I, th I think it, it still comes down to what you want. You could be as manual as you want, or you could be as automated as you want. I think, I think when you look at Brian and, and you know, I want to, I want to just kind of tip my hat to him because he really did a lot of practical testing for us and, and tested our, our system further than we ever could have on a bench. And, and we learned a lot of things from him. So I really appreciate the effort that he's put into it. I'm, I'm glad that he's had um, success and, and continues to, you know, uh, he is, I think the consummate scientist when it comes to, when it comes to brewing. So, so you could say, well, he's got a, this turnkey brewery and it might turn some people off, but I will tell you no home brewer that I know uh, I've met to date knows or appreciates the science as much as he does. 
and that that's come from legit reading and and studying and writing and um if 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 he's a true scientist as he is and he believes in automation you know there must be something to it and i've i've been blessed enough to to sample some of his beers and they are they are at another level there is a there is a fine quality to them that is something that you you know if you if you brew a beer with a ton of hops and a ton of malt and a ton of heavy stuff you you miss the finer points um he brew, he brews german style beers, German-style lagers, pilsners that have just a refined quality to them. And you know, there's a lot of people that may say the low oxygen effort, but I have, I have sampled it, and it's the real deal. I'll tell you that. I To me, it's that's the – this is a personal opinion here. The, the true test of a great brewer is how well can you brew a beer that tastes like nothing, right? It's the right. – it, don't get me wrong german beers do taste like something they have great hop character i love the the flavor of them but the point i'm trying to make is the yeast is out of the way the hops is out of the way it is actually a beer that tastes like your process and right. that is they are 100 percent process driven beers and that is where most brewers fail that's where i fail right i personally have uh, the, my achilles heels making great lagers because they are such process-driven beers. Can you make great lagers with a very manual process? Absolutely. Absolutely, you can. Right. You could do it with zero automation. I have many friends that do it. I, I got a keg of beer from a friend of mine right now in my kegerator that makes amazing lagers, right? But he also works really, really hard on his process, and his process is 100% repeatable. And that's the key mm -hmm. is the repeatability. Automation gets you to re repeatability faster. And that's what people don't understand. Uh, yeah, I, I hear it all the time from guys in my homebrew club. Uh, you know, I've got one of those little beer maker machines that uh, the, the guys at Beer Maker uh, sent to me. I really like the machine. It's really easy. I go put the stuff in it and beer spits out the other side. It's a very yep. easy process. It makes a one gallon batch. It's not a big deal, but it makes good beer and it makes consistently good beer. And to me, those are the things yep. that are, it, that's what automation can get you. What you don't get when you, when you don't, when, when you don't have automations, you, you have more variables than you think. And automation kills a lot of those variables. And so what ends up happening is you can really start to work on things like recipe formulation. You can start to focus on things such as the actual, the science of fermentation and beer and really hone in on those variables because the process of making great beer is an entire process driven experience. And yeah, you know, there's some people that have great manual processes or some people that have great automated processes, but it is all about that process and the attention to detail. I absolutely agree with you. I, I think you took the words right out of my mouth. If you're, if you're into recipe development, if you're into refinement, um, knowing there's so many variables, it's hard to control all that. So you think about like just controlling ingredients is one thing. Um, how do you source this, the same grain repeatedly, or how do you source the same hops repeatedly? That's very difficult to do. So, especially at a yeah, variability level. in, yeah, especially, especially at the home rule level. Um, so sourcing those things uh, consistently can be tricky, but your process adds a ton more variability. And, and you know, my own personal experience, um, I don't, I don't drink too many really big beers, and, and probably many feel the same way. Like I like a session IPA. I just feel like that's a really approachable beer to drink, you know, especially in a, on a hot afternoon and, and you can have maybe, you know, more than one and not be overwhelmed. 
And I've probably brewed that same kind of beer 20 or 30 times and made minor changes uh, and feel like pretty good that, all right, the process is consistent. I've done everything exactly the same way, but changed the ingredients in one slight way or another in such a way that I know like that one change, that one variable made the difference, not circumstance, right? Not just haphazard. Well, several things changed, so I'm not really sure what it was. Most Uh, of my beers are all circumstance. Well, there's a, there's a certain there's a certain um, there's a certain love affair with just throwing stuff together and seeing what comes out, uh, and if that's your goal in, in brewing, man, it's it's a great thing, right? If you want to make yeah. a lot of beer and just kind of roll the dice and have some fun with what comes out of it and, and enjoy it with your friends, man, that's your goal, great. But if you want to take the science further and you want a degree of consistency and refinement, I think especially as you approach uh, doing it as a professional. Then, then having that repeatability, that consistency is really key. And, you know, you can't, you can't not include some levels of automation. Um, and look, if you had uh, PID temperature control, like if you had kind of evolved from the turkey pot fryer and went to electric, uh, if you have one of those Johnson uh, or STC controllers, you've already taken a step toward brewing automation. You yep. just haven't necessarily gone all the way, or at least not yet. Yep. Uh, that's, a, that is a really great way to put it. I would love to talk about, you know, brew control and, and really what it takes to get started. You know, a lot of the projects I've had on the show have been open source projects. Obviously you guys are a privately held software company. You're not super expensive or anything like that, but I'd love to talk about like, Hey, you know, what would you say is the, you know, for a very, very basic sim- system, what, what does it look like as far as a financial investment to get started? Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that question. And you know, we we there are open source um, options out there, and I think they're really good. Um, our approach was to make something that um, and offer it at a commercial level, not not very expensive. And I'll kind of review what some of those costs are um, to to really make sure that we help individual brewers achieve the goals that they want. So we kind of take that a little bit personally. Like that's that's our thing. So if someone says, hey, I'm interested in your system, we, we want to make sure they have success with it. And so the costs are there because we'll provide the technical support to help get them there. So if there is a problem, um, we're accessible. I said I'm the front man. I tend to do all of the technical support and, and that interface. Uh, I can be emailed, uh, and sometimes I'll jump on the phone to try to troubleshoot some things. We'll, we'll help you figure it out. Right? We'll, we'll look at schematics. We'll make um, we'll make suggestions. We'll uh, we'll help troubleshoot issues with scripts or uh, potential wiring, whatever the case may be. So rather than just saying, "Hey, this is for everybody and every everybody can use it whichever way they want," we really try to enter in a little bit more of a personal relationship. Um, and so the cost is there really for development. We don't we certainly uh, don't make any any real money on it, but it's there to continue the development, and that's to hopefully ensure this persist for a long period of time for people and and really to, to say hey we want to work with people who are really serious and are kind of committed um, that they're willing to make that investment and we're willing to make the investment back in terms of the technical support so in terms of the costs we have um, three different what we call licenses we have three different tiers a basic is uh, 139 and advanced is 169 a professional is 199 so really for basic, if you think about it, it's really the cost of a tilt. 
Um, if you like a tilt device, you know, basically the same price uh, for for a full, fully uh, um, flexible brewing automation suite. Um, the basic one gives you connectivity to a single interface, so you're basically connecting to one microcontroller. Um, the advanced gives you the ability to connect to as many microcontrollers as you want. And then professional includes uh, data exchange. So you can use brew control as a front end interface to share data with outside, outside applications or pull data in from outside applications as well. Oh, so you guys have an open API that people can tap into by both directions when it comes to with that professional license. Correct. That's so awesome. if someone has some data they want to manipulate externally, say through Node-RED or another uh, uh, application, through that REST API, they can communicate data into and out of brew control. Um, the other thing that the software does that, that, that is a little bit different than just kind of a, uh, or really any digital control panel type system like this does, that I think sometimes people overlook is data logging. And so when you have a, a physical PID and you walk away from a minute and the temperature goes kind of haywire, you may not necessarily see it or recognize it or, or know what happened. When you have data logging, it gives you the ability to graph that, that data, right? And look at comparisons in time between different systems. So I could have multiple temperature probes in a brewery and at a particular point in time, see how all they reacted to some type of input. Um, I can obviously uh, track fermentation data over time. And we currently store data out to 30 days. It'll soon uh, be extended to a longer period of time. But, you know, that data becomes something that you can learn from and act on in the future. And that's just one of the benefits of a system like this. And it's, it's, it's integrated into everything. So when you have data exchange, you can actually pull out any of that data that you want at any particular point. It's, it's stored in a legitimate SQL database that, uh, that is open and accessible by, uh, by users externally. That, that's, that's awesome. And then one thing I would love to dive into, and then we'll probably just wrap up, is I'd love to discuss the scripting language. I think that that's kind of your killer feature right when it comes to the the automation it's not some weird wonky thing where you're like pulling wires in a in a in a graphical interface you guys can just like sit down and knock out a short little script to basically just kind of build all the automations in the system I, i'd love to talk into your approach on that sure yeah the, you know we really gave it some thought um and we looked at like state machines we looked at ladder logic we looked at um, using bona fide programming languages like JavaScript, whatever the case may be, and ultimately decided that we wanted to have all of the flexibility and but still make it very approachable for non-coders to use. So we created a, our own scripting language. Um, it is an interpreted language. It's meant to be human-readable. And that scripting language is there to really automate any which part that you want. So if you think about it as a, as a person interfacing with the graphical interface um, and controlling things, so if I said, hey, I want to turn something on, right? I want to, I want to uh, turn a valve on, I push the button on the touch screen or I can use it with a mouse, whatever. Um, so I interface with that. And then if I wanted the, the machine to do it for me in the script, we basically tell it by executing this line of, of, of script language to say, hey, turn it on, right? Uh, or turn it off, um, or change the PID temperature, 
or turn an alarm on or reset a timer. All of those types of things that you might do as a person, the script language can do for you. Um, and what's cool is you can have multiple scripts running concurrently. Uh, one script can start or stop another script. Data can be exchanged across those scripts. So you can have really a multitask environment that runs a brewery or many breweries, um, can run fermenters or many fermenters, can run dispensers, can run cleaners, can run glycol, can run really whatever it is that you want. Um, and the scripting language, again, is, is meant to be infinitely flexible that you can have as many lines as you want. You can use uh, variables to control math. You can do conditional statements. Um, you can do time delays. You can wait on time delays. We continue really to evolve it as, as we see fit and really uh, based upon some of the feedback we get from our users. But that is, yeah, that is, that's what I, what I think the special sauce that enables you to start with a digital control panel that is fully manually controlled and then start to step into increasing amounts of automation as you see fit by just adding some script. And, you know, one, one area that we recommend um, some people try at first that's real easy is a, uh, is a boilover prevention. And a boilover prevention script is not more than six or seven lines that basically says, I'm gonna look at the temperature and when the temperature gets to a certain level, say 210, I'm gonna turn the power down. And then when it gets to 211, I'm gonna turn the power down a little lower. And then when it gets to 212, I'm gonna lower it down a little further. And doing that alone will basically prevent a boilover. And it's super easy. It's super approachable, and and it's just a great place for some people to start sometimes. Yeah, that and and to me, it's it's like when I saw the scripting language, and I have you've shown it to me, and it is something that is very very easy to read and easy to consume. It's this isn't it, I'm a I'm a a cut and paste coder would be my guess the way of putting it, <laughs> and even then, it's uh, something that is much more readable than what, what I've seen throughout my processes. Right. Well, I, I, yeah, our, our users, I'll, I'll just add, I'll yeah, just add one ahead. thing, you know, many of our users, when they approach script, they kind of like freak out a little bit and say, Oh man, you know, I, I can't handle this. Can you give me a existing example? So I can just, like you say, copy and paste it. And, and I tend to push back a little bit and I think people are taken aside, but I say, Hey, you know, just try it from the beginning. Just start, because I know you're going to be a lot better off learning it and, and trying to build it from zero. And it's also really hard to take someone else's process and apply it directly to your hardware. Yeah, it's not um, going to be exactly and, the same. Every brewery is a little different. Yep. Yeah, the naming is different and just some, some you know, the process, the hardware is different. So, um, so I usually try to, try to push people a little bit and, and help them out. Like if they have any particular problems, um, we help them out. And we have uh, a user manual that is... Um, I don't know, maybe 150 pages that that documents everything. It, it it hopefully provides some assistance for that. But that's that's part of that agreement. You know, if you if you buy our system, we're going to make sure that you're supported. Um, and that's that's just part of it. Getting people to be successful with their scripts is uh, is something that, that we try to provide. That's awesome. Well, Pete, I, I want to thank you for coming home homebrewing DIY. If I wanted to get more information about brew control, where where could I find you? So I think the best place is uh, just by email, info at brewcontrol.com. And, um, you know, and then I'm just a regular approachable guy like you and everyone else. We'll try to do the best we can to help everybody out as, as needed. 
And Coulter, man, I really appreciate the time. I've been a, a, a fan of, uh, of the show and I, uh, I run a few days of the week and uh, always put on the podcast and hope you have a new one. So uh, I really look forward to the next ones and uh, I really appreciate your time. Hey, I really appreciate it as well. And keep listening. <laughs> we'll do it. Thanks, buddy. Have a great evening. thank pete for taking the time to come on the show and i i didn't realize he was a fan until we were in the interview and that's awesome i i love that you know people even reach out to me to be on the podcast because they listen to the show and that's awesome really makes me happy but you can follow us on instagram twitter or facebook just look for us all one word at homebrewing diy well that's it for this week and we'll talk to you next week on homebrewing diy